We're live. My guests today are Ivan and Mitodi of Nolis. They are respectively co-founder and DeFi strategist at Nolis. Nolis is the Cosmos SDK chain offering DeFi leasing. It's an exciting new DeFi product. What's interesting is that it allows DGENs and other you know, non-degenerate people to do under collateralized lending. Out of, uh, beyond that, it does also um, has uh, a number of other uh, DeFi products that they're starting to build. Um, today, we're going to be discussing the mechanics of the protocol, also the product and the roadmap. I'm also dying to find out why they think DeFi adoption relies on centralized services. Before we get started, make sure to hit the like button, hit the notification bell, and subscribe to get notified when I go live every week. And remember that none of what we discuss here on the interrupt is investment advice. I also like to disclose that I am an advisor to Nolis. If you enjoy this content, please consider sticking with us. We're live on FMOS, Quicksilver, on Osmosis, and on Juno. Just look for Interop in the active set. My guests, Ivan and Mitodi, are coming up next, right here on the Interop. Hey guys, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having us, Seth. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to diving deep here because, you know, on the interop, we do a lot of technical content. We do a lot of like protocol stuff, but we don't do, we haven't done a whole lot of products. And like, this is a an interesting DeFi product that I think um could be interesting for the cosmos space obviously uh as uh there are more and more DeFi protocols being built on cosmos i'm interested in understanding also like how nolis how you see it interop interoperating and interacting with the broader uh cosmos DeFi ecosystem but before we do that maybe just tell us a bit about yourselves and what's your background and you know how you became to be uh working on this project yeah, well, um, let me start here. I'm Ivan. I'm one of the co-founders here at Nolus. Um, from, let's say, more than uh, uh, 15 years, I've been working in a Wattpool financial company, and uh, I have a lot of background in uh, marketing, in marketing automation, digital marketing. And from, let's say, the last maybe five years, I've been doing product development. And this is my current role here at Nolus. So... Uh, this is my personal background. Uh, I've been uh, deep into crypto since two, 2017. Uh, there, then I was involved in a uh, in one ICO project, and uh, which kind of light my fire for crypto and so what uh, decentralization can do to to not only money but, however, to generally shift the the focus of centralized entities. And create a democracy uh, in terms of uh, I don't know you you name the industry industry but I guess the impact is enormous. Uh, hey, hey everyone, so yeah, I'm Matodi. I'm the DeFi strategist of, of Nolus. Uh, basically, what I'm doing here at the team uh, is uh, things such as uh, technical documentation, infrastructure support. Uh, Basically, I'm helping out uh, with uh, whatever I can, uh, as much as my expertise allows it. I joined this team right after I graduated from university, so it's uh, like my first uh, full-time job, so to speak. Uh, yeah, and yeah, it's, I got into crypto a bit later. So it was uh, around the beginning of 2021, but I really had the chance to dive uh, deep into DeFi and uh, loved uh, researching about various kinds of protocols, took part in various kinds of ecosystems. And uh, and basically, I'm, at Nolos, I'm doing uh, what I would be either way doing in my spare time, I guess. So that's the great part about it. Cool. No, thanks for coming on. And, uh, um, you know, it seems like you guys have a really solid team building this product. Um, so I'd like to talk a little bit about Credissimo and, you know, that that fintech company, that sort of Web2 fintech company that you mentioned and what it what, what it is and what it's been doing and and how it started pivoting into doing more DeFi and crypto products, because I believe it's also behind or at least it's affiliated with another uh, lending platform or, or, or something like that. 
Yeah, in well, actually, the big part of, of, of the team that currently are working on Nolas, we met at Quivisimo. We worked there together for uh, many years, and uh, uh, the company helped us uh, spun uh, this idea and uh, bring it almost to life. So, this is the actual involvement. But, however, there are separate entities, meaning that Quivisimo uh, is a uh, Web2 lender that uh, has a regulated business in uh, Eastern Europe as well as uh, in uh, uh, South America. Uh, and Nolas is something that it's just spun off part of, of, of the team uh, that that actually helped grow Credissimo. So, yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah, so there is no like actual tangible relationship now. It's sort of, sort of like a spin off from, from the yeah. team. Got it. Um, so you know something I mentioned in your intro earlier is that you know you, you guys uh, were were saying before the show that you think that you know DeFi adoption comes through centralized services. Can you expand a little bit on that and um, you know how that uh, how that thesis uh, fits within the vision for Nolus? Yeah, sure. So uh, as you know, currently like many hard hardcore DeFi fans are strictly against uh, any centralization factors in DeFi. So they want everything to be fully non-custodial, like uh, they, uh, the smart contracts don't have any centralized elements and are basically open and free to use to, uh, by anyone. But uh, one thing that probably many people don't consider is that DeFi is still in its early stages, right? So there is uh, there are still many people who have... Uh, Yet to do to use anything uh, crypto related, uh, let alone uh, DeFi, DeFi NFTs and uh, uh, all these uh, non-custodial wallets. So all of those people they have more or less habits that are uh, you could say different from the the habits of um, even semi-experienced DeFi users. So you you in uh, in in our opinion you need uh, elements uh, in your system that cater to the needs of those people as well so that they would be able to join and by having those people join naturally they join with uh, liquidity and uh, this uh, this is of course uh, uh, what might be necessary even to shape uh, new products in defi uh, so uh, if you think about it from that point of view it's uh, Centralization really matters uh, to DeFi, and uh, it's not uh, it's not all bad. Yeah, I mean it, it is until uh, until your you know your platform collapses. Uh, <laughs> but um, but yeah, of course, like a lot of people, I think you know probably. I mean, I, I don't I don't know exactly right. Like, what are you know? I feel like I should know this, but like what. How many people are, are using crypto through centralized exchanges versus DeFi? I think you know, like FTX uh, probably w played a big role in um, in creating in, in moving more of those people towards DeFi. Hopefully, uh, but yeah, the on ramps that 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 uh, that centralized finance currently provide uh, and the user experience for the moment, at least is in many cases much better than you know the user experience like you you really do have to eat glass when using DeFi, especially if you're doing you know more complex things thankfully that's getting better and you know I, I think that teams like yourselves that have a lot of you know experience in building solid products in web 2 are going to bring that experience over into web 3 the thing also is that protocols are getting better developer tooling is getting better all around those things are, are getting much more easier to use. We have better custody solutions. We have better, uh, just better tooling around like, you know, web UIs and stuff like that. So the, I'm, I'm, you know, we've seen like a tangible uh, improvement in the user experience over the last couple of years and it's only gonna get better. So yeah, let's let's talk about Nolus a little bit. Um, so so Nolus is a, is a DeFi uh, leasing protocol. That's the way the website describes it. Um, can you explain what that is for those who might not be? Because I mean, like most people think of a lease, they think, well, you know, I'm going to like lease a car or something, right? So I'm, I'm like, you know, essentially, you're paying to have access to this car until I have to give it back or something like that. But how does that apply to finance and specifically to DeFi? 
Yeah, actually, uh, the the whole concept of Novus came out from from the general idea of how uh, leasing leasing works in uh, on uh, regular financial markets. As you as you gave the example, uh, most people uh, think of it as uh, buying an, an asset that they can can use so while they repay the the loan for it. So the whole concept behind Novus actually is almost identical with with. Uh, uh, lease on regular markets, uh, for but it's transferred to to Web three and to DeFi in in a manner that actually it provides users the ability to leverage their positions without uh, the additional risk of well, let's say uh, high liquidations uh, liquidation triggers and um, the risk of. Uh, 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 not only losing their money, but also having much greater exposure in terms of uh, what they provide as a down payment or what normally crypto users think as of collateral when they uh, take a loan. Uh, and yeah, these are the two main concepts here that actually Novos will provide much more uh, assets that people can leverage their holdings uh, with a much lower liquidation risk. So part part of the product is being able to uh, have under collateralized lending. So can you describe how Nolus achieves this? And and then you know t- typically, so I guess maybe coming back to what most people are used to. Like most people are used to using a money market like Ave, like Compound, where um, collateralization ratios are somewhere in the you know one like 200 percent right so you put in let's say like you want to borrow uh usdc like you put in like 100k worth of eth you're going to be able to borrow half of that in uh usdc or or any other currency right Uh, that implies having an oracle that knows the prices of these assets all the time and then there's a liquidation threshold where essentially if prices fluctuate to an extent where that collateralization ratio begins to um to, to, to be too too small um, then that initial the the uh, the, the the assets um, that were put up as collateral are sold at auction to pay off the borrowed assets to the to the lender um, so that's like status quo that's what most people are used to in crypto that use DeFi um, how does how is Nolus different like describe the mechanics here and perhaps also you know how a user would interact with Nolus Actually, it's fairly simple. Simple because we've twisted the model around. For example, in 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 the example that you gave, uh, you actually said you're providing you're providing a one one hundred k in terms of collateral you need for, uh, and you can borrow borrow up to a, let's say a safe LTV around sixty percent out of it, meaning that you borrow the uh, sixty thousand denominated in the the currency that that you're looking to borrow. Um, what Nolus actually does is it gives you the same option, meaning that you can provide your uh, uh, collateral uh, in uh, ETH, let's say again in 100K. However, you can borrow 150K on top of this collateral. But uh, the whole amount of the loan and the, the amount that you've provided, we call it a down payment because it's not actually only a collateral, are locked into a position, what we call a DeFi lease position, and both the down payment and the loan act as collateral on on the, on, on the whole position, meaning that the actual loan-to-value ratio is, again, around 60%. However, uh, the liquidation risks are much, much lower compared to the current, current market average. For example, if you go to with an LTV, let's say on Compound or Naver or any other lender currently, you will be fully liquidated at a price drop of it with, uh, let's say, 35% drop in, in it. On, on Nullus, what will actually happen is at around 40% drop in the price, a partial liquidation will trigger that will only uh, collect us, I would say, a much smaller amount of the one that you've provided as a down payment, payment and taken as a loan, uh, which will be the first one that sorry, that, that you are going to uh, experience as a user, the next one will be much higher uh, in terms of uh, uh, 
the price drop and i guess the the last liquidation should appear somewhere around 70% in the drop of the, of the actual price so in that sense uh nolus is much safer compared to any other alternative however the funds that you take as a loan and you provide as collateral aka down payment are both locked into a smart contract until you fully repay the loan but that's not actually bad because uh, those there are real funds underneath every position and those funds can be utilized throughout the whole uh, duration of the loan okay so let's maybe just give an example here so for example uh, let's go back to the ETH example. So we we put up say about a hundred thousand uh, in. Well, let's let's talk about Adam because we're we're talking about a, co- a Cosmos chain here. But let's say we put up a hundred K in Adam uh, in collateral, uh, and we want to borrow, uh, you know, Osmo for instance. We can um, uh, we can borrow up to hundred fifty K in Osmo. Um, at, like, what? Where is the? Is there a yield generation that happens here such that we can repay that loan? Um, or like, what are the strategies here that a, a user would implement in order to repay that loan or have a sort of? Is it a self-repaying loan or is the idea that you know you repay that loan through some other? Means? So yeah, if we go with your example, like if you uh, kind of provide as a deposit 100k worth of atom. You would, uh, and you want to enter an exposure on uh, Osmo, let's say. Yeah, in 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 the case of Nolus, there are lenders, right, and there are borrowers. Lenders provide stable coins only. So if you're a borrower, such as uh, you're coming with uh, 100k of Atom, you can borrow stable coins, right, from because that's a, that's the only option on the protocol. But okay. what happens in the background is that through IBC and Interchain accounts, these stable coins and your Atom deposit, they travel to Osmosis, which is uh, would be the primary DEX at launch. And they would be both, sw- uh, and the Atom and the USDC would be swapped to Osmosis, right? So now you have like a, a position in Osmo tokens. And since we'll be also utilizing uh, uh, at launch uh, liquid staking derivatives for, uh, such as uh, ST Atom and ST Osmo, you could you could liquid stake your Osmo position now that's in your basically your lease position, and you can earn from the yield because ST Osmo is exposed to to the yield uh, to the staking yield of Osmo. So if that yield is greater than the interest that you own, then you have like a self-repaying loan. That's how it works. Okay, so you said something interesting here that I think is like a, a, a novel. Uh, compared to other money markets is that lenders can only provide USDC or stable coins, sorry, uh, as, um, as lending assets. So as a borrower, I'm, I can only borrow, um, stable coins. Is that, is that right? You are borrowing stable coins, but, uh, under the hood, uh, uh, there is a swap that it's uh, involved in every opening position opening that will swap the stable coins to the desired asset that you want to lever. So as Matthew, Matthew implied, you mm. provide an down payment in Adam, uh, you get stable coins out of the uh, borrowers uh, liquidity pools, uh, sorry, lenders liquidity pools, and both your down payment and the loan are then swapped into your Osmo position. Right, okay. And why why is it such that only stable coins can be lent into the pro- like what what about this sort of credit account uh, makes it such that only sta- stable coins can be can be lent in? So yeah, basically when you lend stable coins and the borrower comes and borrows uh, stables to be swapped for, to a desired asset, basically you lock the price of the asset, right? So uh, you can use the appreciation afterwards to repay your your loan, basically from what I also mentioned with uh, this additional option of uh, you, in some cases, relying on liquid staking derivatives and uh, this additional yield. So this is uh, like the the reason. So in a sense, this kind of uh, resembles a cross-chain margin uh, long position of an asset, but with the added flexibility that 
uh, asset in the position being used elsewhere. So being hmm. used for your generation. Right. Okay. So just walking back through this, you know, one one puts up uh, a deposit in in like Atom, for example. They're going to borrow USDC or some other stablecoin. Could be IST or or any any uh, any interchain stablecoin. Um, in the back end, there's you know they may want to actually be exposed to osmosis. Um, they will the the system will uh, swap. Uh, will make a swap for osmosis, and then those osmo can be liquid stakes. They can be generating yield. That yield is paying back the loan, and then in the end, once the loan has been repaid, um, the user is left with essentially, you know, that that position, uh, that their initial deposit in Atom, for instance, and then you know also the position that they borrowed because of because they were able to repay that loan. But they've kept the initial uh, the initial borrowed position. Actually, yeah. They uh, when the user repays, they get what what's in the position, and that's the Osmo tokens in our example, right? So uh, they provided Atom, but this Atom, together with the USDC borrowed, uh, has been swapped. So basically, when you repay what you owe, you get uh, you get the assets in the position. In a sense. Seb, I, I, I think you're muted. Sorry. Yeah. So what are some of the particular issues that might come up here uh, that don't um, typically come up in traditional lending markets as we know them in crypto? So are, are there any um, um, sort of like externalities that this, this type of uh, leasing market uh, creates that we don't see in, in other lending markets. And like one thing that I see, for instance, is that the assets themselves uh, as a user, like the assets themselves, they have to be in this contract at all times. Like they, you, you, you can't move them somewhere else. And so from a user experience perspective, that it's like a very different experience than, you know, being able to borrow funds and then, you know, you know, invest in a SAFT or do whatever. Right. Um, so that, that's, that's one thing. Are there any other sort of things that, users should expect when using NOLAS? I guess the biggest downside is that they don't actually receive any uh, um, any type of loan that is available in their wallet uh, right from, the, from opening their position. However, uh, this is part of the model. And again, if we, if we have to compare it with, say, perpetuals or margin trading on some centralized exchanges, uh, they actually work the, the same way. You provide a sort of a, a, of a down payment or a collateral and you, you leverage it up afterwards. However, in terms of what Nolus provides, it's pretty much a lot more on top of, uh, of those entities because there are actual actual tokens in every position that can be leveraged through different strategies. The one that we already talked about is just the one that we will be starting with. However, um, as long as the protocol can liquidate uh, uh, its position on time and don't incur loss for borrowers, uh, we can utilize uh, every single you generating a protocol that's available currently on Cosmos and uh, not only in Cosmos as well. Hmm. And is the idea here for uh, for Nolas to also uh, sort of propose strategies within the platform that um, that allow for this yield generation, or are users free to you know compose their own yield generation strategies? How do you see that? Yeah. So basically. Uh... So uh, if a user would be uh, able to use ev uh, like every strategy out there, that wouldn't be safe for the protocol first. The protocol would need to allow that uh, a certain position be used uh, in a certain uh, strategy. And the cool thing about Cosmos in general is that it's heavily governance focused, right? So you could, uh, you could pretty much uh, let the community decide well uh, and discuss whether 
a strategy is meaningful meaningful to be added and would be safe to the protocol and who is the one who's uh, uh, taking those decisions those are the nos uh, stakers the, the the ones that are providing security to the to the network so it's uh, pretty much uh, a choice uh, uh, of the community to whether to yeah to add such an uh, option and whether it makes sense okay cool yeah which brings me to my next point so Nolus is is an app chain. It, it's a it's a sovereign chain that will have a validator set and uh, on chain governance. Um, it also has the NLS token, uh, which is the governance token. Um, can you talk a little bit about what other utility functions this token might have? Is, does it have any function also in terms of um, you know generating yields for for users that are leveraging the platform? Or are they generating yields in NLS token? Um, like yield farming on this token in, in addition to that and um yeah how do you anticipate this um yeah maybe we can talk a little bit about the governance later but i'm curious about you know about governance and you know governance has been you know it's, it's useful i think for making certain types of decisions other types of decisions perhaps uh when you know analyzing complex DeFi strategies maybe uh community governance may not be the best uh the best way to to determine whether or not a strategy is safe for the platform. So how do you anticipate that? Um, you know, how do you anticipate that sort of playing out in the future? Yeah, okay. So I just want to, one, but yeah. Yeah. Let, let me talk about the utility of Nolus and Matu can go with the uh, governance afterwards. So the whole concept of uh, first having our own app chain was to um, have a token that can uh, actually be more useful to the protocol in many different layers. For example, the way we've designed the, uh, our layer one is that it actually, on every transaction done on it, uh, we extract part of, 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 of the fees uh, to, in, towards the protocol. And this is one revenue stream that has been created for, for Novus. And those, this revenue stream will actually incentivize different uh, participants in, uh, in, on the Novus uh, ecosystem. For example, if you uh, lend stable coins to, to the protocol, you, you get rewards in NLS as well. Because uh, from, from the, the, this revenue stream that I just mentioned, there will be a, enough, uh, uh, I would say, um, enough liquidity in NOS that, that will come naturally from, from every transaction that are on, on the protocol. For every lease that uh, interest is paid and uh, uh, there will be uh, a small revenue stream again that, that, that will again have the one, one, one thing that, that it will be doing and it will be buying back the NOS token from the open market, market and again distributing it towards uh, different parties that are participating in the ecosystem. And last but not least, uh, uh, staker, actual stakers uh, on, on the blockchain will receive much better, uh, much, much better rates in terms of what they're generating as yield uh, in, on, stable, on their stable coins and much better rates or what they're receiving as uh, I would say interest for borrowing uh, DeFi lease positions. Yeah, and to contribute uh, to, to the, and go back to the governance uh, factor. So yeah, uh, NOS takers uh, providing security to the network and they are the ones that are uh, basically voting on various proposals that are, uh, uh, that are coming up and but it's not uh, it's not like uh, uh, the, the the all possible yield strategies are there to be uh, just voted yes or no. Uh, it's uh, uh, these still need to be implemented first and of course discussed uh, in detail before uh, um, basically a new smart contract, for instance, is uh, is the, the post, uh, is deployed on the on the chain. So. Uh, if we outline it that way, uh, every every uh, uh, step of uh, the whole of the chain's uh, development uh, is dependent on governance. But uh, uh, it's still you still need to kind of uh, um, 
include that functionality before before the, beforehand. And, uh, do, yeah, do the, you, the power do of governance is there, but uh, still. Yeah. Do, do you do you see um, perhaps like sub DAOs being a, a a relevant mechanism for you know for instance like having a like a committee that would review DeFi strategies that. Um, would be tasked with effectively testing DeFi strategies before they get um, implemented on the protocol? Or do you think that, you know, like on-chain governance with all the validators is, and, and staker and delegators, of course, is is like the right way to, um, to implement, uh, you know, strategies at the, at the protocol level? So basically, what uh, you're suggesting is uh, smaller committees that are for, uh, beforehand uh, uh, kind of testing out a given strategy. Yeah, like it could be like a sub DAO. Like it could be like the, the it could be like the, the 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 token holders, for instance. I mean, like you know, Cosmos. The Cosmos chain has been talking about this, for instance, for like in, in yeah. the context of Adam 2.0 and like Juno and other chains also Juno do some similar things. Yes where you know you effectively have governance rights over electing some sort of board that um that makes decisions on behalf of the community for like very specific or very um yeah very very specific things where you know deep understanding and knowledge and and, and like industry experience is necessary is, is this something that you guys have considered in terms or that you would consider uh, such that you know, the safety of the protocol is maybe held in the hands of um, of experts rather than, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, like there, there, there may be benefits yeah, also to just yeah. having DGENs voting on what strategies, uh, what strategies yeah, are. Yeah, of course, are uh, this is uh, definitely something that uh, uh, we consider and uh, we uh, uh, address uh, deeply. So, uh, of course, uh, it's not, uh, as I mentioned, it's not like... Uh, uh, Degens simply voting yes or no to include something that uh, is there. It first needs to like be thoroughly reviewed, and you yeah. can of course uh, integrate such a committee uh, and have the basically those Degens vote on. First of all, yes, that committee is uh, is uh, kind of uh, um, capable of taking such a decision to for uh, for us, and uh, of course from there on you can pretty much. Uh, Kind of uh, uh, define stricter steps uh, in the process of uh, from the whole idea generation about uh, uh, yeah a certain new generating strategy to it uh, being live on chain. So it's uh, certainly an option. Cool. And so, what kind of strategies have we talked about? Um, liquid staking and and those that as a yield generation strategy, it seems like a very safe strategy, and in many ways, probably a very uh, profitable ones, since many chains, you know, especially after they launch, have fairly high yields on staking. What other kinds of strategies or you know, more complex strategies would can we expect uh, to be implemented on Nolus? You know, either at launch or or later on. Like, you know, as as a DeFi strategist, you know, what are you what are you thinking of in terms of like maximizing returns and and also, I'm interested, you know, how how you consider cross-chain strategies to be playing a part here, because I think that cross-chain strategies are probably where, you know, there's a higher risk, but there's certainly also you know, potentially higher expected returns. So, yeah, uh, first of all, like uh, in terms of uh, launching an MVP, yes, liquid staking derivatives would be there at launch in terms of uh, at, uh, ST Atom and ST Osmo. So this would be like the only... Uh, yield generating option that we have at uh, launch ready. And uh, in terms of additional strategies, yes, uh, it's uh, uh, first of all, the, this true cross-chain vision of Cosmos is still at, at its beginning. And we're like basically one of the first protocols uh, to actually um, kind of uh, materialize that vision via IBC and interchain accounts. And uh, if uh, there there needs, for example, there could be like a, a certain liquidity provision, but uh, as a, as a strategy. But uh, yeah, those are simply ideas that uh, can be discussed in details, and uh, various risk parameters can be also outlined uh, as well to each strategy. Because it's in our model, it's pretty 
important to, that the protocol has uh, access uh, to, to the funds that are in a lease position. So if the strategy itself has a certain lockup period in the background, uh, that uh, that's problematic. For for example, that's uh, just uh, just a pure, uh, generally speaking, uh, yeah, uh, that's it. So, mm. um, yeah, but and let's not forget that DeFi on Cosmos is relatively young, uh, and it's yeah. still currently heavily developing. So I guess more options will, will come to mind. Uh, once more protocols are launch their products, there are a lot of DeFi products that are currently being developed and we are looking forward to start working with them. Um, I just want to point out here one interesting thing that Matto mentioned for the design that the design pattern that we have taken and it, it actually utilizes heavily interchain accounts, which is, <clears throat> I guess, the broader vision of uh, what Cosmos should be. Uh, should be communicating with different cosmos chains should be communicating with one and one another and uh, yeah i think we're we the way we've designed knowledge is in a in a manner that it can relatively easy uh onboard uh, uh integration with different chains and provide additional value for the chains as well as the the, the chain itself will provide a, a additional value for knowledge as well so we are kind of a thought of a model that can work uh, in a symbiotic manner with not only uh, uh, permissionless ones, but rather permission ones as well. Very cool. Um, one thing that I was thinking about just as you were speaking earlier, Mentodi, is uh, the, the asynchronicity of cross-chain transfers and basically message passing between Cosmos chains. Does that... Um, what what kind of implications does that have on the strategies that you might implement, right? Because, you know, if if um, if if a, a liquidation needs to happen and assets get locked up or or are you know are tied up in in a series of cross chain transfers that are taking longer to uh, to unravel, uh, how does that affect? you know, the liquidation process and are there mechanisms there? Because with Ethereum, we don't really have this problem, right? You know, you can, you can have a position and, you know, you can initiate a transaction and you can unravel a bunch of, you know, different positions that are locked in different contracts in, in, in the same transaction with Cosmos. It's a little bit different. Um, yeah. Yeah. So as you mentioned, yeah, the, basically the chain of uh, events that are ha uh, happening in a true cross-chain world can be quite long and this of course increases the time until uh, let's say a liquidation right so e, you're uh, basically your in that case your oracle should be responsible to take into account the, uh, this uh, uh, basically time period as well and not uh, just uh, let's say the the price that it's at the moment so uh, you could pr pretty much uh, twist that and actually in our system uh, and our Oracle model doesn't uh, like take into account, for example, the uh, the quoted price of an uh, of an asset at now, but the price that uh, would happen after a swap is performed, for instance. So, so you could pretty much, uh, yeah, use that as an assumption first, and then uh, build up on top uh, your uh, security model. Interesting. Yeah, and and are you considering also? Let, I mean, obviously, you know, IBC transfers are seem obvious or, you know, IBC connections, but you're also considering, go, you know, using Axelar, for instance, to go get yield on, you know, Ethereum or on Solana or on other platforms. Is this ultimately like the longer term vision here is to be able to interoperate with, you know, all sorts of ecosystems, given the interoperability solutions, of course. Yeah, that, that's the, the, the broader vision that we're aiming at. Um, and uh, however, we want to start with, uh, let's say, first uh, integrate our, 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 all the native Cosmos chains that uh, we can uh, communicate with and uh, create additional value for NOAS and again for, for, for the, for, for the chains, chains as well. But on the long on the long run, uh, when general message passing that Axelar are providing uh, 
uh, goes through, let's say, a more mature state, we'll be looking to uh, start uh, the same type of communication with DVM chains as well. Yeah, this is our broader vision of, of how cross-chain communication should happen. And we, we, we are really bullish on, on IBC and uh, general market passing in, uh, in general because uh, this is inherently going to be the next TCP IP protocols that we use on a daily basis and we don't even know that we are using them. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, currently that might you know, that, that might cause a problem because transfers and message passing between say Ethereum and Cosmos can take a while. I know that there are protocols that are building on top of Axelar like Squid that are um, trying to, you know, improve the time there by basically having intermediaries that take up the risk while that transfer is being, being settled on Ethereum. Um, you know, this was also the case, I think for Connext uh, in the case of Nomad. Um, but, but yeah, the, 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 the asynchronicity uh, just increases, I think, once you start going over um, you know, going over those boundaries. Um, but I think certainly those things will get better over time. There will be like layers of abstraction that separate, you know, the end user or at least the, you know, the sort of transaction that's that's happening that is being settled and and the underlying you know state that might update a little bit later because there will be you know parties that are sitting at the intersection of these two uh, chains and and settling that transaction and taking on the the risk, um, yeah. Very, very. This is all really cool. I can't wait to get my hands on this product and and, and start using it. Um, you mentioned that you're you will be supporting ST uh, assets, so so uh, so Stride staked uh, liquid staked assets. Are you also? Uh, so that I suppose that's a partnership you have with Stride, or you 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 have an integration with them. Are you also considering other liquid staked assets like Quicksilver or or any of the you know native liquid staked assets? I know that like on on Evmos they want to do their own liquid staked assets, and I think other chains like well, obviously you know um, Osmosis has their semi liquid staked asset with the super fluid staking. Uh, is this something that you you would consider for the future to diversify, you know, the types of liquid staked assets you have, and what would be the benefits of doing that? Yes, uh, of course. So first of all, the benefits would be that it would be uh, reach out to uh, uh, more communities, more people that are relying on uh, on those assets. But you need to take also into account the liquidity that uh, that's in the pools, right? So currently, Stride. Uh, has uh, ST Atom and uh, ST Osmo are the richest in terms of liquidity. So, and that is uh, pretty important uh, uh, for a given uh, lease position because uh, basically uh, they, uh, if the price, uh, of course, uh, drops, uh, it, it would need to be liquidated. And the more liquidity you have, the, the safer it is. And uh, of course, once once these other assets mature in liquidity, uh, and they uh, consider adding them to, to the system because yeah as, as mentioned liquidity so liquidity depth in particular is important great yeah no it'd be great to to see other uh liquid staking providers and other integrations as well i'm sure there'll be many more in the future um yeah let's talk a little bit about the um you know, let's get into the the technical bits a little bit so nolis is uh cosmwasm chain i was looking at the github earlier like all of the logic is built in cosmwasm um, as a you know as developers building a blockchain product uh, maybe just talk a little bit about why you decided to build this on cosmos and as a as a cosmos chain um, what were the benefits of leveraging cosmwasm over building your own go cosmos sdk modules and i'm kind of i kind of already know what the answer is going to be here but just reinforcing my cosmwasm bullishness <laughs> yeah i guess uh, the 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 short answer for cosmwasm is rust it's a pretty powerful instrument, pretty powerful language, and uh, combined with a uh, with a Wasm VM and uh, Cosm Wasm in in our scenario, it's a really I would say secure but rather versatile uh, option to build smart contracts uh, um, on 
it. I pretty much like to give one uh, example here when we talk about Solidity, that it's on Solidity, it's relatively easy to build smart contracts, but it's relatively hard to build secure smart contracts. So that's, this is not the case with um, Cosmosm because it's the other way around. It's relatively hard to go through the compiler and uh, compile your smart contracts. However, once compiled, it's much more safer compared to um, any, I would say, maybe two out of five contracts on, on build on Solidity. And regarding this stack, I guess um, we part of our team has a has a knack for Rust from from one one point from and from the other is that we could completely separate the uh, the core business logic from the blockchain itself, and it can live on a on a let's say a, a second layer on top of the blockchain, and which creates a, a asynchronous development of both the blockchain and and the smart contracts. AKA the business logic on, on top of it. So this this was our uh, uh, this was our uh, main driver for uh, choosing this stack. As I mentioned, we're pretty bullish on uh, Cosmosm. We're also also bullish on some of the new VMs that are c coming out uh, and gaining traction in the last year or so. Like which ones? Like for example, Move. We. Will, our, my personal view is that Move can be a really powerful virtual machine. Cool. And and um, yeah, regarding the the choice of building this as a Cosmos app chain, um, you know that's you know it might be an obvious choice to you know people in Cosmos, but it's not an obvious choice to you know I think just like people generally building. Who are looking for a platform to build on crypto because there are so many you know alternatives and i talk to teams all the time that are you know looking to build like they have an idea for a product and they're like okay well we're going to build it on ethereum because that's where the liquidity and the users are or we're going to build it on solana because it's fast uh or like but you know it, like cosmos is not an obvious choice i'm like unless you've been cosmos pilled it's it's not always obvious what um what led you to want to build this as an app chain so yeah, uh, you could of course uh, uh, deploy a money market such as ours on a general purpose blockchain, right? But uh, you would pretty much uh, lose on some of the benefits that you would have uh, by being your own app chains. For, for example, uh, your token, for, for instance, your token is the one uh, that uh, in, a, in the case of an app chain, it provides security to the, uh, to the app chain itself, but it also can gain benefits from the underlying app like uh, like the, uh, on the, the app on top of it on the money market on top of it so in in our case uh for instance analyst takers as mentioned they don't, don't only get staking rewards but they get also benefits uh, uh benefits for the money market itself right uh, and also being an app chain you don't have to share block space uh, with other applications so in, uh, we all know in bull markets when, uh, let's say, uh, pretty popular uh, NFT projects uh, begins uh, minting, uh, it can get pretty ugly for the chain itself and for the users of, uh, of, the, other, uh, of the other apps there. So uh, that's also another benefit that you want to have for, with, uh, with an app chain. And with an app chain, of course, you can also control uh, pretty much uh, various parameters. Uh, uh, for for instance, we uh, like we've tweaked uh, the the minting module, which is uh, uh, responsible for uh, the inflation rate, and also yeah. we've introduced a custom module such as the uh, tax module that uh, introduces additional revenue stream for the uh, for the token itself. So it's a pretty powerful uh, tool. Environment. Yeah. Do, do you think that um, this is a question that I think? You know, it's not obvious yet, but, you know, there's this idea that app chains are essentially, you know, like app, app chains are possible now because this, the cost of securing an app chain is still relatively low. So there's some estimates out there, but it's somewhere in the like three to five million per year in, um, you know, in cost of infrastructure and staking rewards and stuff, like if you consider like what a cost, what it costs to run a validator set. 
Um, I, I I feel like over time, as the as as the cost of security increases, because these blockchains will become more and more, um, you know, valuable. Right? There's going to be like more value on these chains. Cost of security will increase, and running an app chain will be reserved to like a few very large ecosystem players. And you could make the analogy that in the early 2000s, it may have made sense for, you know, a medium sized business to like build their own data center in the basement of their office. But as the cost of cloud computing came down and, you know, the security, um, the sort of like security risks associated to running your own data center and the costs associated to that, as those, as those economics didn't make sense anymore, it made sense to start moving to cloud. And that's when, you know, most companies, you know, small and large started moving over to cloud. Um, I feel like app chains are going to probably suffer the same fate, right? So like right now it makes sense to launch your own app chain because we've got interchange security coming and like running a validator is fairly cheap, but over time that might not be the case anymore. Um, what's your long-term vision here for, you know, sort of staying a sovereign app, remaining sovereign, like, well, first of all, like, do you agree with this thesis? <laughs> and then also, do you, you know, what would be, in that case, your, like, long-term vision for um, keeping that sovereignty and effectively justifying remaining an app chain? Because, I mean, you could have built this as, like, you know, a roll-up or, like, some other form of, um, of application that leverages some form of shared security, but that has lower cost to you as a chain, but, you know, sovereignty trade-offs, et cetera. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We could, we could have actually deployed our contracts on every compatible chain uh, that is currently available. However, Metal pointed out a couple of things that we found, found that are pretty essential for, um, for the design of the money market that we're currently building. Um, on top of that, I just want to add that uh, other benefits of uh, having our own uh, app chain is that we have the full, I would say, um, we don't have any boundaries in terms of how uh, the technology can can scale from this point onwards. Meaning because, for example, we heavily utilize IBC, as we already mentioned, and for for the time being, the only way to create an uh, um, an interchain account uh, it will is if you have your own if you have your own network and utilize those the the ICA uh, modules the, the the way we do it with with our smart contracts because to if if we get deeper in this uh, actually our smart contracts are doing the heavy lifting for creating interchain accounts to different networks. And this will be pretty helpful in terms of that we can pretty much extend this functionality to different places and uh, different chains uh, on the on Cosmos and, and, and going out again uh, of, of the Cosmos ecosystem. And um, I guess this is one of the main reasons why we, we opted this for, for this design. In terms of um, um, uh, uh, maintaining our own validator set, you're absolutely correct. It's, it's not cheap and it's relatively hard to to set a good, I would say, a good validator set and to maintain it uh, because it's costly. Uh, but however, being because being an app chain, we actually don't need uh, like uh, 100 plus validators on, active on, on our network because the, the load of transactions won't be that big. And uh, we will, for example, in the beginning, uh, have a, a much smaller set that should be sufficient for, for, for the system to run and have a decent amount of decentralization there. And we can, uh, we can keep this, um, this set of, uh, let's say, 25 or 40 validators uh, in the next years to come while the, the, the network itself matures. Um, one of the one of the, the the things that we actually thought about uh, having this on the long run and uh, being making it sustainable is actually baked in, in the protocol itself. As we already talked about the different revenue streams that we will be introducing from day one for for the chain. Think of it as that every new uh, let's say yield strategy that we uh, uh, whitelist on on Nullus or every new uh, 
integration we do with Novus, that we will introduce a new revenue stream for the protocol itself that will gradually create a treasury and this treasury can be afterwards subsidizing different parties, not only participants in on, on, on the Novus protocol itself, however, it can subsidize uh, uh, the validator set as well. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's cool. And I mean, of course, like having uh, be, being your own app chain that offers you know several like lots of benefits also in terms of um, you know in terms of customizing the entire the entire stack, like being highly vertically integrated, economies of scale, and everything. Um, yeah, I think it, it'll be interesting to see in the future. You know, of all the app chains that have launched in the last couple of years, and those that will launch in, in, also in the, in the next few years, I'm sure. You know, how many of those are able to, um, you know, generate significant rev enough revenue to to remain sustainable? And I think that DeFi is probably the best candidate for those chains for for like for chains to remain um, like profitable and 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 sort of remain uh, app chains. I think I think there are lots of app chains that. Uh, probably will um, will sort of either have to move over to some sort of shared security roll-up um, infrastructure if they want to remain, you know, if they want to keep stay online, um, or um, or will will sort of um, uh, how to put this, you know. Especially, especially for smart contract chains, like general purpose smart contract chains, I think a lot of those general smart contract chains will become app chains for their biggest use case. And so, um, because there's just, you know, there, there, there are so many smart contract chains that are, that are launching that, you know, have very minimal amount of differentiation, right? Like one might have like some small feature or one might be Cosmos and one might be VM. And in the end, I think there are just, probably going to uh, revert back to, you know, being an app chain for their biggest use case and, and trying to be, you know, become profitable there. But, you know, as a DeFi platform, I think that uh, you're in a very different, uh, different category and uh, certainly like it makes sense to be an app chain. So yeah, let's talk a little bit about the roadmap and uh, what is the, what are the next steps? When can we expect Nolas to launch? And uh, yeah. Um, I can happily say very, very soon, as we are in the final stage of uh, merging our uh, latest iteration of development of, of our smart contracts, there will be a certain period of time that uh, once merged to our testnet, we will, we will expose the, the whole functionality of, of the Nodes DeFi list to users who are interested in testing how it will work. Uh, how the, the, the actual web application will, will handle uh, the, the DeFi leases, what will, what will the UI be there. And of course, we'll be running uh, a lot of testing in, uh, in a, I would say, almost production-ready environment. And if everything goes as planned, we'll be launching fairly soon. Great. So two to three weeks. <laughs> so, uh, no, but uh, yeah, well, if, uh, if you want to, if you want to stay tuned, Fingers and, crossed. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, you should definitely follow Nolis on Twitter. It is, uh, what is your Twitter handle? Nolis protocol. It's, it's Nolis protocol. Yeah. Okay. And we'll put the links down in the show notes for anyone who's interested. Yeah, well, guys, thanks for coming on. It's been really interesting to learn more about Nolis, and I hope that our live stream viewers and our audience uh, are also excited about this product. And uh, yeah, good luck on um, as you move towards the launch. Thanks for having us and for nice wishes. Thanks, Seb. Looking forward to speaking with you again in front of a live audience again. <laughs> yeah, well, um, as we wrap up here, I also want to yeah thank our listeners for tuning in and for uh, following and subscribing to the podcast. If you enjoy this content, please consider sticking with us. Uh, we are live on, Ev on Evmos, Quicksilver, Juno, and now on Osmosis. 
And I would like to invite both of you to uh, speak at, uh, well, at least, you know, I would like to invite uh, someone from NOLIS to speak at Nebular Summit, which is the conference that we're organizing this summer. We'll be announcing the dates very soon. And um, it's in Paris. And so, um, you, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll make sure that, uh, we'll make sure you get an invitation to that. And uh, also to our listeners, you know, do uh, follow Nebular Builders on Twitter because we're going to be announcing the dates next week. In fact, we're announcing the dates on Wednesday. So thanks for tuning in and uh, we'll talk to you next week.